Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. We are two Philly bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you. Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks because, because duality, duality is, is a thing. One nine hundred hustlers. Who this? <laughs> <laughs> Yizzo. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, hi, how are you? I feel like I haven't talked to you. You have not. No, oh, whose fault is that? We've been talking via text, but we haven't talked personally. Um, I don't remember. Hmm. It's a shame. Okay. Well, um, it's a shame. Shanti, do you want to tell the people what one nine hundred hustlers is? It is Black History Month, so we need to bless them with bl- uh, Black History facts, very important <laughs> facts. Um, I'm happy to do it if you don't know the history behind it. Happy to, but um, this is near and dear uh, to your hearts. This <laughs> one nine hundred hustler is from Jay Z's Dynasty album, which came out in I don't know what two thousand October thirty first two thousand. 2000 it featured that's when he linked up with Philly's finest Beanie Siegel Freeway and New York's not so finest a million <laughs> R.I.P. God rest her soul wherever you are yo that was Freeway's first time appearing on a record with Jay on Rockefeller so it was a very big deal he murked it the who produced that? Did did Kanye produce that? I don't think so. Yo, Kanye might have produced that. If he did it, then he is back in my good graces. One I had a hustler. Listen, that song really affected me on a spiritual level. That was my <laughs> shit. A young who the fuck did this? Malik Sean Cop. I don't know who um, this is. Anyway, that's what I know of. Oh, it was Swiss Beats. Yeah, Timberland. Swiss Beats. Duh. Swiss Beats? Timberland? No. They didn't do that's that. That's who produced the Dynasty album. So I don't know who did oh, the joint. Oh, he that had the Neptunes sense. on there too. No, there was I a lot of different know. people on that. There were a lot of different people on that. We should just start over. So <laughs> 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 it's fine. But all y'all need to go back and listen to What I Had a Hustlers because it is an unsung hero gem of a song from the Dynasty album. And that's it actually going to be our voicemail. It's an unsung banger. It is. It really is. It bangs. You put that shit on, you be like, oh my God. But Freeway's verse goes the hardest by far. By far, I think. Like, Jay had it, but that's why they let Free end it. He just... <laughs> He just did it. Be careful when you're talking to hustlers. Anyway, <clears throat> do you have updates? Um, yes, I do. I was in New York. Yes, I was in New York. I did not see you. Yep. I came to your house. I was outside of your door. You didn't answer your phone. 
So you cool. never called me not once. Don't I do definitely that. did. I can take pictures of it. Well, um, I didn't get those calls. I called you in the morning because I was just around your your house, and I called you in the morning time, and you didn't answer. And then I texted you and said I called you, and you were like, "I just woke up." I'm oh, I had taken an edible. <laughs> oh my god! I did. <laughs> what kind of weekends do you have? No, my God, I could not sleep. <laughs> no, first of all, I had these edibles. They, first of all, they're from uh, Connecticut, and I had them. I've had them for like maybe six months. I don't. I don't partake very often. But you, I could you got not a secret sleep. supplier in Connecticut. You got some. No, we went, I had a show you in, your brownies yeah. in Connecticut. I had a show, <laughs> and we stopped at the dispensary. So they're they're like legit, fancy. But child, yeah, you I had took a hard that. ass white boy chemist make that shit. He was like, <laughs> I woke up at eight thirty to pee, and then the next time I woke up, it was two o'clock. I said, "What in the? My whole day is gone." <laughs> That's okay though. Child. Well, I did. I tried to connect with you. Shanti ain't but I was see up me there anyway, for. She was with her man's or whatever. But go ahead. She mm-hmm. was with. Um, I was going to New York now, which is a big trade show at the Javits Center. And it was really interesting. It was really interesting. Um, for those that don't know what a trade show is, it's when you have a collection of, it's just like a big ass vending event, basically. You just have a whole bunch of different biz, uh, brands have a little booth and they display their wares and you get to meet them. You get to see the products firsthand. Then you can make, you know, start building a business relationship. And the New York Now is for like retail spaces specifically. And it's just super white. And I knew that it was going to be super white. Really? Kua um, Designs wasn't there? Because I who? think I saw that she was in New York. The lady who with the bomber jackets, the, whose jackets you like from Ghana. I saw she, she was in She might have New been York. and I did meet her. I, di- I didn't meet her, but I saw her stuff, but she didn't have her, what jackets. she had on display wasn't, it It just didn't resonate. Like, okay. Resonate. But it was, yeah, there was like a, like four African vendors. So they had them all like separated by country if they had the, the global handmade. So they would have folks from Australia, Africa, Japan. But, you know, it just um, it just made me realize that we have another there's another need there. There's there's something to fill. Um, it would be really dope if somehow we could create like like a similar to New York now, but with all black vendors and black That's retailers or black whoever do. could go and um go do it. Go go shop the shop shop it. <laughs> but that was cool. That was fun. And then I was exhausted. <laughs> I was so tired every night. I was tired. There was an opportunity to like go out and drink and like go to the bar or meet up with you and I was like yeah I'm gonna go home I'm gonna rest real quick and then I was like yeah I knew that was a chalk I woke up and I'm like what the fuck kind (laughs) of restful blissful sleep did I just have but um yeah that was my weekend and I I was riding the trains by myself or whatever chalk Really the G train or the A train got shut down, and then I took the R train. I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, you I better am a do New Yorker it. now. I run these streets uptown, downtown, Harlem no. Renaissance. 
So I dyed my hair. Oh. Um, it looks fabulous. Against what everyone has told me. Thank you. It's a little dark. <laughs> but it's going to fade. Like my heart, I couldn't deal works. with that little orange thing that I had going on. That was driving me crazy. Why are you running from that beautiful do light it. brown hair? It's like orange, though. There's that orange tint in it that I really have a problem with. You are a with. red bone, Antoinette. Embrace it. No, never. Um, I also went to... Uh, Lao Lu's event. He had a pop up at um, Bokara Art Gallery in Brooklyn. Lao Lu is Nigerian based um, musician and painter. Uh, he did the. He's famous for the body paint. He calls it the. Um, look at me. Don't fuck this up I now, have... girl. Come on. <laughs> the fuck does he call that traditional Yoruba painting? <laughs> no, he, he do that white marker on people's faces. It be all like pattern or whatever. I, I think he did Beyonce's uh, face he that did, one video. He did Beyonce. Oh, the Sacred Art of Ori. That's what he calls That's it. That's all but the ignorant listeners are gonna know. They're like, oh yeah, the one at the Juno Beyonce face. Yeah. Oh, he did lemonade. Oh, okay. Um, but again, I met him in Ghana. Super cool guy, and he had a pop up, and it was really beautiful. He's um, Yoruba, so there's a lot of that influence in his work. I highly recommend that folks go and check it out. It's there for the entire month of February. Um, and it was just, yeah, if you looked at my stories, it was just really beautiful work. It just looked really, great. Yeah, Is and it, it was free? A, Is it like... I don't know. I can't tell because I called the place. It was free for us, but I called the place the next day and they were like, oh, it's by appointment only. And I was like, oh, but he's always like, yo, just come through. I'm here. And I'm like, how does that work? And he's like, come on, come hang. Like, but they're saying it's appointment only. So I, I have to figure that out. And when I do, I'll report back. I'll call them tomorrow to figure that out. But um, he definitely wants everyone to see his work. Um, it's for us, by us, literally. Um, and he's a really gracious person who would love to explain what his pieces are. He just loves getting into conversation with interesting people. So um just generous spirit. And it was a really beautiful room. Like the folks in there were super, super black, black. And they were, you know, doing like tradition, traditional Nigerian dances. They like, they were cutting the fuck up and they were so over the top in every fabulous way. And I was just here for it. It was just a really nice night. Um, what else? I'm going to Wisconsin tomorrow. Oh, me. that went from black to not very black. <laughs> yeah, real quick, right? Duality is a thing. Uh, just pray for me because I looked at this weather. That shit said below zero. This is negative. But don't you know? In Wisconsin, is that where they right talk now. like this? Is that where um, Bobby's World? Don't you know, Bobby? I have don't no idea. Know. Not honestly. Did you watch Bobby's World growing up? I did not. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> you didn't watch Bobby's World? No. The yeah, mom didn't watch watching? it either. What? Wow. Anyway, so just pray for me. Tell me what the fuck is going on in Wisconsin. Because I literally worked, looked up. I tried to put Wisconsin. First of all, I tried to put Wisconsin into my time app so I could see the time difference on my iPhone. And the shit wouldn't even populate. And so I was like, okay, maybe I need to find a major city. There are no major cities in Wisconsin. So I had to settle for Salt Lake City, Utah. So I don't know what the fuck I'm getting into. I just know it's not going to be a whole bunch of brown people out there. 
You better prayers up. Make you get Just out prayers yourself. The fuck up. Prayers up for me. Anyway, I want to get this going because we have um, a lot of topics today. Politics as usual. There will be no witnesses in the impeachment trial, which is just outlandish. I don't even want to talk about this shit. The Republicans are trash and everything is bipartisan and the whole world is coming to an end. Also, Trump doesn't know where the fuck Kansas City is. Like, I get that there's two Kansas Cities, but he definitely last night (laughs) congratulated the Kansas City Chiefs, who are based in Missouri. Um, He congratulated the great state of Kansas on their win. I just, he is the epitome of white privilege. I just want to strangle him. And I hate to say that on this podcast, but it's just, oh, Lord, I, I looked at that tweet and then he hurried up. And took it, or somebody did. Like, you are the president of the United States. I have typos (laughs) all of the time. But, bruh, I'm not the president of the United States. Did he ever write and say, sorry about that, I was... No, he just rewrote the whole tweet and fixed the state. No. That's good PR. That wasn't (laughs) him, child. Don't ever stick up for him. He also, Laulu has this really beautiful piece... Um, about humanity and refugees because, you know, he was not born here. Um, He came over as an immigrant and he's really upset because Nigeria was put on the immigration ban list by fucking Trump. Nigeria, um, Eritrea, Sudan, Tanzania, Kyrgyzstan, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Myanmar. And uh, a White House official said that the measures were the result of failures by the six countries to meet the U.S. security and information sharing standards. It's just bullshit. It's just like another way to block people out. And it's like he's not letting them come into the country, but he has no problem selling them arms and missiles. It's Mm, just like it's just but uh, it's just outlandish and then you go to this beautiful event in brooklyn with this amazing artist who we would not have had if he would not have been able to come here explore his art because he wasn't really doing art in nigeria he came here with a dream with no fuck i need to get him on his podcast with no fucking money and just did it he was a lawyer in nigeria a, a human rights attorney and he quit all that and just came here and was like, fuck it, I'm going to try to figure this out. Truly, uh, like, a product of the quote-unquote American dream. And now you're telling him that his people can't even come here. It's just like... Uh, yeah, folks. a lot of those countries are very staunch in their independence, though. They're like... I know Eritrea, for one, is like... They don't fuck with anybody. They're Good. like, we're going to... <laughs> Do or die. Either we're going to survive or we're dying, but they don't take handouts. They don't, they're not involved with, you know, the U.S., uh, excuse me, the global bank. They don't take money from the global bank. And, like, when you when you don't involve yourself in th- those shenanigans, when you don't, like, weaken, not weaken yourself. I guess it's weaken. Yeah, when you don't get in debt, right? they're like, oh, we ain't fucking with you. Right. You're not trying to take this money so that we can, you know, tell y'all what to do and what not to do yeah right nigeria is going to be okay nigeria Nigeria is going to be fine they're going to make a fucking way (laughs) all of the emails has money like nigeria is good (laughs) 
<laughs> if you don't stop, that's rude. <laughs> that is so fucking the rude. The floods are going to increase. <laughs> Bye. And... You you could he could never come on this podcast because he is so sensitive about that. He would flip out on you. Like, did you really just say that? Really? Like, you find out like, you're on I a mat, bitch, and I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> it's right under Kana. I hate you. You in trouble. You don't you fucking know. He don't know where Kansas City is. You don't know where Nigeria is. Get this shit together, V. What are you doing? Speaking of Trump and his dumbass not knowing where Kansas City is, the Super Bowl halftime show. Did you watch it at all, Shanti? Girl. No. Of course. If you don't know, be mine now. I do. That's why I said no, of course. Fuck so fuck about Shakira. I only watch Beyonce's halftime show. That's it. I didn't even watch Why what's your beef with Shakira, bro? Why you say it so hard? <laughs> I actually love Shakira. I'm sorry. Right. What's wrong with you? I really So like it was but Jennifer I'm saying, Lopez. Like, I didn't go out of my way to watch. Right, I'll never go out of my way to watch J Lo. Ever. J Lo could dance. So it was Jennifer oh, Lopez boy. and Shakira. And I just thought it was interesting because I was watching it, especially Shakira. And I was like, if these people, if these Latin, I, I wasn't on that episode, so I might say some shit wrong. But if these Latinx, Latina women. women, if they don't fucking come to grips that they are African, the fuck, yo, the, you have to watch it. The It, it was there. It was like well, no, every, all the influences, everything was there. Aren't. She's trying to say that they aren't. Who? You are in fact... White women I don't have time who for this. are not who are not claiming that you're white and you're living you're like protecting yourself under this idea of being Latina when you don't really give a fuck about everybody else that's under you under that umbrella. Listen, you know I mean? them bitches black and they African. No. I don't care what nobody says. No. <laughs> I don't get I don't care. We gotta get Dash. Dash is gonna be they mad if are, you say that they, they're not black. Listen, they don't want to say that they're from the diaspora. You are from the fucking diaspora. Sorry, like it just is what it is. Moving on, Jay Z and Beyonce. Oh, Dash, you they gotta sat. Come another lesson. All right. Well, Jay Z and Beyonce. They sat during the national anthem, which is very interesting. Um, Colin Kaepernick did not like it very much because, you know, he got a little beef now that Jay has a partnership with the NFL. And Jay was instrumental in making sure that Shakira and Jennifer Lopez were He's like, performers. I got the black women you wanted. See these black women up here? <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z like, they black. Okay. Well, I Look thought it us. was, it, in all fairness, it was in Miami. So it was appropriate for it to be Latina. Like... That was appropriate. It should have been no, that with all of that influence. Why no? You just I don't give up. Anyway, but Jay Z, um, he they See? have like their little tension, and Colin Kaepernick, like, and his girlfriend who gives zero fucks, posted, you know, like, oh, I thought kneeling, I thought we were done kneeling. Like they were quoting him from that interview. So Jay-Z kind of spoke out and was like, listen, no one's saying that Colin ha Kaepernick hasn't been done wrong. We're not saying, like, I'm not saying that, um, you know, he wasn't done dirty, but I will understand if it was three months ago, but it's three years ago and someone now needs to say, what do we do? So it'll be interesting. And he also made a statement saying that in an interview with Time Magazine, that, you know, he's willing to take the backlash that he's receiving as a result 
of his partnership with the NFL if it means that it will move the needle in a positive way. Towards him being a multi-billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Beyonce but will that's never interesting. be friends with us. Beyonce's like, I don't kneel because I have on a $50,000 suit. <laughs> right? She would look so cute and so did Blue. I can't stand it. But Where are the babies? Know, they're like, we ain't bringing all of three of these badass kids. You know, you ain't gonna have me out here looking crazy, managing all these children. Blue's dar- adorable. Blue's adorable, and she has a phone now, and I want her number. But She's like, one eye on a hustler. This is Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Blue is like, one eye on a hustler. This. <laughs> um, oh. That's really funny because, you know, Diddy and Jay Z are like, you know, black what? excellence, black entrepreneurship. We got to help each other. Diddy went to the Grammy dinner, whatever that was, and he was saying how you, I just want to say that y'all really don't care about black people or black artists. Mm-hmm. And then Mace was like, nigga, you don't give a fuck about black people or black artists. And Mace responded okay. in a tweet, and he was like, if you don't sit your hypocritical ass down in response to Diddy and he says in his post this is from CNN Entertainment in his post Mace wrote that if Combs want to see change you can make a change today by starting with your motherfucking self your past (laughs) business practices knowingly have continued purposely He's his English, his English here. <laughs> your past business practices knowingly has continued, purposely starved your artists and been extremely unfair to the very same artists that helped you obtain that icon award on the iconic bad boy label. For example, sure. you still got my publishing from 24 years oh. ago, in which you gave me 20K. Receipts. And then Mace offered to buy back the rights to his music from Cohen's for 20 million. And Mace's response was. If you can match what the European guy offered me, then I'll give it back to you. What? You mean Puffy's response was that? That was Puffy's response. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give you that 20 million if he, he, Puffy's, Mace offered him $20 million. (laughs) Puffy was like, yeah, all right. If you can match what the European guy offered me, then I'll think about it. And, um, or he says, you can wait until he's 50 years old and it can revert back to him. And he was just like, nah, that's not black excellence. If you really give a fuck about black people, you would help black people. And didn't Mace perform at the, um, at the awards? Did he? I don't know. I know. Mace has said that he has, you know, Mace is a man of God. He's turning the other (laughs) cheek. He's doing the best that he can. Is he a pastor now or like a reverend? I don't know, but he made a statement saying that, you know, he's, always he's always just bit the bullet and performed because he needs the bread like real rap he needs the money that's why he's doing it he's doing what he can to make money so you know these these birds of a feather flock together i don't know what that means is business business you know business is really a it's a different beast. It'll make a different beast. It's interesting. I think Jay Z is very has a very famous interview where he was talking about when shit changed for him was when he walked into this room with all these white men who cut each other up in business wise, but then they go and they play cards together and they gamble and they drink and they smoke cigars and they're BFFs. That's just business. It's completely yeah, separate. But that, 
It's an even playing like, that's field. A, yeah, it's, it's just humane. it's not comparable. Just not comparable. But it's not. That was really interesting. Speaking so of money <laughs> and dicks, <laughs> Negroes, y'all gotta learn math. I am so concerned. After last week's episode, when Shanti did twenty times twenty, um, I then quizzed the folks on Instagram. And ask what is twenty times twenty, and don't you know? And I, I threw in like two funny ones, like is it a billion? Is it a lot? Because those are two things that you said playing. Then I wrote the the real, the real real, and then I wrote a fake like answer. And so many people still got it wrong. I said, what in a twenty times twenty is not two hundred, y'all? And we said it on the episode. We literally worked it out. So I'm concerned. And I think that um, around the way curl arithmetic is oh in full God. effect. Drawing. <laughs> well, I'm drawing. I don't care. <laughs> so, you draw. You First draw. All, I'm you, looking at this problem. That you, you get having. nervous. It looks crazy. It looks <laughs> right. ridiculous. You get, you get nervous. So I it does am, not make any sense. It does make a lot of sense. What I'm going to say, I'm going to say the problem, and I just I want people to. Tell us what the answer is next week because I'm a quiz y'all when it's or this week I'm a quiz y'all when it comes out. Okay. Remember PEMDAS, y'all. Okay. Do you remember what PEMDAS is? You said PENDOT. <laughs> <laughs> That's the motherfucking DMV, my nigga. <laughs> my stomach. No, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, Pem Das. Do you remember that? Paren- I, no, I don't. Yes, I yes, don't. you did. Because you just about to say it. I learned all my math and remedial math in college. No, I was like, parentheses, oh, she makes so much exponents. Sense. No. Come on, parentheses, exponents. Don't tell them. Multiplication, division. No, we're supposed to be learning. And addition and subtraction. Okay? <laughs> so, what I want y'all to answer is 300 minus. 150 divided by 2. 150 divided by 2 is in parentheses. Okay? 300 minus 150 divided by 2. I want the right answer next week. Think about PEMDAS, y'all. We're going to do this together. Your mom wants the right answer. Okay? I promise you she does. Have you talked to her? She has all the answers. And they're all right. All right. We'll ask her what 300 minus. <laughs> She'll know immediately. She'll be like, yeah, you know, it's my 2S. What is it? 225. 225. Oh, remember me, a white mother. Oh, our white mother. If y'all knew what, what my mom that? was about to do in two weeks, I'm not even going to share. Y'all ain't even ready. What's she? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> she out here. Any- she, she above and beyond. I'm telling you. All right, well, we find sure she we comes back in one piece and then I'll tell you guys what had happened. <clears throat> Where's she going? I'll tell you when it's done. It's serious. It's on some whole other shit. She's crazy. <laughs> you are so annoying. Okay. So one of our listeners called in. I'm so happy. Yay! A couple people, actually a couple people called in, but they didn't leave <laughs> we got a couple missed calls. They didn't leave voicemails because we didn't we didn't set up the voicemail, so I'm sure they thought it was the wrong number. But that's okay. We're going to get that done. Um, but we have a message from a listener, and I am going to play it. Oh, shit. I'm going to play it now. 
Hi, Antoinette and Shanti. Um, my name is Brianna, and I am an opera singer based out of Boston. Um, I was, I'm listening to your podcast right now. I'm cleaning my apartment and listening. Um, love this podcast, and it makes me feel great every time I listen to it. But I just wanted to call and tell you what my intentions are. I've been really um, focused on being intentional. Um, so a lot of the times when I'm moving through life, I kind of do the easy things. I kind of do the bare minimum to get by. Um, and so now what I'm trying to do is being more intentional about um, specifically my relationships, like with friends from college who I don't talk to all the time, but um, we're, we're still really great friends, like being intentional about meeting up with them and seeing them, um, being intentional with myself about my own health, mental health, physical health, uh, doing things like signing up for a gym, finally. Um, I've been wanting to do it for so long, and I finally did it. Um, also starting, like, <clears throat> different things like a, a daily devotional um, with reading my Bible every morning. Um, so, yeah, my intention this year is to be more intentional and to not just wait around until the weekend for things to happen and to really just be present in my own life. Thank you so much. Bye. Hopefully this is the right number. <laughs> yeah, I said it the voicemail. But who the hell's this talking about intentions? <laughs> Could you imagine? Shout out to you, Brianna. You know who you are. I'm so happy that she's doing that. And shout out to your Bible. I feel bad for all of our Jesus jokes. Oops. Your Jesus jokes. Your ass is going to hell. You definitely be talking about Jesus a lot more than me. I do not make jokes about Jesus. Just Nigerians. Yes. Not Jesus. That is, he is never going to come on this podcast. <laughs> Ever. For real. His manager is going to listen Nigerian. before I ask. You know how tough he is? They don't give a fuck. He don't think that don't shit is funny, fuck. yo. I'm trying to tell you. That was like one I of mean, the first conversations we had. He was like, yo, that don't night. be making no comments about the emails that my cousin keeps sending you. Now, what's your email? Sean what's your friend's it's... email? <laughs> Do you want to get on my email list? <laughs> yo, that. All right. We got to take a break. Because you fucking wildin'. I'm not. This isn't funny. I'm just so uncomfortable because I don't think that you realize like how seriously upset he gets. Oh, and I feel God, I so feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Because I felt badly about my jokes. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break so Shatu can pull herself together. Uh, we'll be back. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. Dot georgetown dot edu slash podcast. Kobe Bryant was a father, a son, a husband, a five-time NBA champion, two-time gold medalist, 
Oscar winner, author in both adult and children's books, a Mamba Academy co-founder, a girls basketball coach, a champion for women in sports, a mentor, and like all of us, a flawed human. Kobe came out of Lower Marion High School and went straight into the NBA before that was really the thing to do. He had huge amounts of pressure on him. Some of the world's expectations were for him to be the next Michael Jordan. His expectation of himself, however, was to be better than Mike, an expectation he created when he was just 13 years old. He was a cocky rookie. He didn't even start. Coming off the bench in his first game against Michael Jordan in 1997, he did fairly well offensively. But defensively, Mike took him to school with the very moves Kobe would adopt and add to his repertoire. At one point during the game, Kobe and Michael are next to each other at half court, and you can see Kobe talking. The expectation was that Kobe was talking trash, but after, Mike revealed that he actually asked him, when you turn around on your jump shot, how do you feel the defense? Mike told him to feel the defense with his legs. And from there on out, Kobe called on Mike for advice and support. And Mike obliged, despite this 18-year-old kid having the audacity to set out to outdo him. Kobe studied. He watched film. He took pieces of everyone's game. He was disciplined. He persevered through injury. He ate a strict diet. He practiced nonstop. Allen Iverson tells a story of when he and Kobe first played each other. Kobe invited him out to eat the night before the game. And around 9 o'clock, Kobe asked Allen what he was going to do. Allen said, well, I'm going to the club. What you getting into? And Kobe responded, well, I'm going to the gym. That was Kobe. Kobe was best known for his Mamba mentality. He's quoted saying, if you see me in a fight with a bear, pray for the bear. That's Mamba mentality. We don't quit. We don't cower. We don't run. We endure and conquer. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Find the silver lining and get to work with the same belief, same drive, and the same conviction as ever. The Black Mamba was equal parts, both man and myth. As accessible as he was to several generations of sports fans, to Black men in particular, he was a flesh and blood reminder of what they could achieve and evolve into even after making potentially life-damaging mistakes. Kobe Bean Bryant died tragically Sunday, January 26, 2020, along with his daughter, Gianna Bryant, John Atabelli, Carrie Atabelli, Alyssa Atabelli, Christina Masser, Ara Zobanya, Sarah Chester, and Peyton Chester. In their honor, Let's take a 24-second moment of silence. So Shanti, where were you when you got the news? I was in my apartment. I was in my apartment and I was talking with my friend Desiree. Actually, she was just leaving. We were having, um, she was visiting. And <clears throat> um, I looked at my phone and 
Amanda, the the text, the thread that I share with my my close girlfriends, Amanda was like, did you hear about Kobe? And uh, then I went on Instagram and, and I saw, or I like searched Kobe and it said that he had died in a, in a helicopter crash. Mm. What about you? I was actually in Philly and I was with my dad. And so uh, my dad and I are big into sports. That's like something that really <laughs> bonds us. And so I grew up um, very much watching football and basketball with him, even baseball for a while. But my dad was a ball player and so was my mom. So basketball was like near and dear to all of us. And um, we didn't like Kobe Bryant <laughs> growing up because he would bust our ass. But we respected him. And my dad would. My dad was obsessed with Michael Jordan back in the day and was like, well, this young kid think he want to be he want to be Mike. He don't even represent Philly like that. He don't even claim us and all this nonsense. Um, but I was sitting there and my friend Jason texted me and was like, wait, did he text me? No, he called me and he was. Did he, maybe he texted and then he called me and I was like, what's up? And he was like, did you hear about Kobe? And I was like, what? And he was like, he died in a helicopter. They're saying, TMZ is saying that he died in a helicopter crash. And I just gasped. And I was like, I got to call you back. And I was with my dad and my dad turned and looked at me and we both just stared at each other. And I just started crying. And I just, the first thing out of my mouth was, he has four kids and my dad, my dad was looking at me and he was like, I could tell he was a little shocked by my reaction because I didn't even like cry when Michael Jackson died. Like I was sad, but I didn't cry really when Prince died. Like I just, this just felt different to me. It felt like a superhero had passed and it felt like at first I was like, this cannot be true. And I just was holding out hope because we immediately turned to CNN. CNN wasn't reporting it. Then we turned on ESPN. That was reporting it. And I got on Twitter and I'm scrolling. And then I'm scrolling on Instagram. And everybody's, it's reportedly, reportedly. And um, then when it came in, I just was like, I don't know. I just continued to cry. And... I just like that was for our generation. That was kind of our Mike because we didn't grow up with Mike. He was the closest thing to him. And it just felt like those other people like a Michael Jackson, a Whitney Houston, you know, uh, a Prince, like they all had a kind of a part to play in their own demise in some ways. So it wasn't as shocking. It was sad. But this just felt like so unnerving and it felt like I just I just kept saying I don't understand this because he was in a place where he seemed to have been doing even better in his like second act than his first you know than the basketball like he was just flourishing he was thriving and he was doing all of these like all this motivational speaking and stuff. And I had watched interviews about him. And, and it's interesting because my dad would talk about Mamba mentality and he would preach it, even though he was like still a low key hater just because he's loyal to the Sixers. But like that man being just gone like that, I don't know. It rocked some, it really like rocked something in me. 
And I I had a really hard time. And we were, my dad was driving me back to the train. He, we decided to go early. And, you know, we had the sports sports radio on WIP. <laughs> Shout out to WIP if you're from Philly. And then it came in that it was reported. It, they, they, they were saying that they didn't know who they were with. But then when it came in that his daughter was with him, my dad burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was, like, tears that I hadn't seen in a really long time. And he was sobbing uncontrollably. And I was just, like, and he's driving. I was, like, do you need to pull over? And, like, he's, like, no. And then, like, you know, we get to the train station. I give my, you know, it's, like, call me when you get home. Like, everything feels so much more precious. And he's, like, taking a final look at me and giving me a hug and a kiss and, like, you know, being really present in the moment in a way where that we both hadn't been in a while. And then I got on the train and he called me again. And I could tell he just needed to talk. And he just kept saying, I can't imagine being with you or your sister in your final moments and not being able to protect you. And like the thought, and he just kept saying like, I know that he did his best to make sure she was okay, or that everyone on on there was okay, even though he knew, he must have known. And like, I'm not a parent, but listening to my dad and seeing his response, you know, grapple with that, it like, it broke something in him. And it just, I don't know, it made me so, so, so sad. Um. Did you like, did you follow, like, I'm sure you knew who I just, you know, I just remember, you know, the championship in Philly and how we hated him. We hated him. (laughs) You know, how difficult and steely he was. Mm -hmm. And he has such a steely um, face. You know, he has such like a, like a feline features Mm -hmm. that, you know, he just was badass. I, I knew he was badass, but, you know, um, I didn't follow sports aside from that and knowing that like that was the person to hate. And I do remember in fifth and sixth grade, the boys in my class going off like every day they were arguing about, you know, because there was that one boy in the class who loved Kobe. And it was such a betrayal to everything, else, especially in Philly. It was just like a betrayal to everybody. Even else, though he he's really from staunch. Philly. That's why it's funny. Um, I mean. All right. I, I guess he was born no. in Philly, but then he was raised in Italy. But he's yeah, still he's not like really from Philly. He's from Lower Marion. Have you ever been to Lower Marion? Yes, but you know what's really sad is mm. that he always felt anyway. Go ahead, but he always felt a way about Philly not Philly booing him. Like he has interviews about well, like how much Philly. that would hurt him. Yeah, he ain't really from Philly. <laughs> like yet, I'm home. Knowing that that was shit was like yeah, he's home. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's kind of like I don't know. That's a Philly thing, especially when it comes to white people. You meet somebody, be like, "Yeah, where are you from?" They're like, "Yeah, I'm from Philly." What part of Philly? Yeah, I'm from Lower Marion. I'm from Jenkintown. You're like, "Nah, nigga, you're not from Philly." <laughs> no, you're not. So I still stand staunchly that he Lower Marion's a completely different Philly than North Philly, or I don't know. Anyway, uh, but I I remember that. Um, I remember that if of him and just being like all right but I remember being like he feel he felt I was always Allen Iverson always felt like the underdog Mm -hmm. 
compared to him. So I was always rooting for Allen Iverson over Kobe because Kobe was just like this perfect. But he was that. But he wasn't, that, and that's what's so interesting. Like he was a Kobe, killer. He like he was really he good was, on but that. at he was but amazing because he of was, his own. You know what he talks about that finals and how he was. He credits Allen Iverson for making him step his defense up, and then he went on to get like defensive player of the fucking year. Like many times over after that, because he was like, Allen was so fucking hard to guard and I couldn't figure out what to do. And he said, I watched that final series over and over and over and studied the tape because I had to figure out how to shut this guy down because he was just that good. Like, it's interesting. There's a there's a YouTube video where any I'll, I'll link it in the description, but it's like you know, you have to watch this video. It's like the most inspirational Kobe Bryant video. And it's before he passed away. And he's talking about how he wasn't the fastest. He had big hands, but they weren't super big. He had this, he had that. But like he he came straight out of high school. So in high school, you have, you know, you play like one game a week. NBA, you it's back to back, so it's everything else. So he was saying that he he didn't have like the stamina for it, for all of it. And so he was trying to figure out like, why are my shots not falling the way I want them to shoot? Like, fall, like what's going on? He said he realized that it was his stamina and his legs and he had to get stronger. He had to build his legs up. So he had to follow through to, to sink the shot. Like all these things, like he would, he was insane about his craft. And mm-hmm. it was like that kind of mentality like him applying that. And 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 I get that a lot of people are like, oh, it's just basketball. But it's more than that for a lot of folks. It was like he really personified like what hard work was because he didn't just come out and have all the skill. Like he there's a video of him and Michael Jordan. Um, and it's all Michael Jordan's moves. And Michael Jordan even like he has another video where he's like the only person that could beat me one on one is Kobe Bryant because he stole all my moves. And it's tr- it's mm-hmm. kind of it's true. Be- and it's but it's Shanti. It's so scary. I'm gonna send it to you. How it's not even a split screen. It's literally Michael be going up for the shot, and then they show they literally just show the next clip of Kobe going up for the shot. It's the same angle, same like technique everything it's the scariest shit ever the level of 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 detail that he had like for him to even be playing like that's like us being on stage with like Beyonce or us or you being on stage what we're poets and we're on stage next to Maya Angelou and we're about to be like we about to be the best poet ever he'd or Beyonce. had right? had like, me he exactly and you have the audacity <laughs> to do that and then when you fail you're even more audacious to go up to her and be like, all right, well, how did you do that? So I could do it better. <laughs> Beyonce, how you flip your hair like that? Like, why won't your braid fall off your head? <laughs> For real. But like, really think about that. Really think about like, we're scared to even like show up fully as our complete selves sometimes, let alone do it in front of somebody we idolize. It's just amazing. And I just, I think about him and I just think about like audacity, like how dare you? And, and that, that kind of mentality, what it means, what it would mean if we applied ourselves the way he did. And like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan is amazing. You know, you can't take that from him. 
But for Michael Jordan to see something in him and mentor him, because he didn't do that a whole lot. Whereas like watching watching the the days after they announced that Kobe died, watching the impact yeah. that it had on the world. Yeah, that was pretty. That's what kind of broke me down. Cause again, like I was just like, "Oh, this fucked up. That's sad." And then it took me to another level when I found out that his daughter was with him. And then that's when I was like, "Oh my god, this is on his way to go terrifying. coach a basketball game." And then I thought about his wife. And then I was like, "Damn, they got a little kid." And I was just like, "They got an infant." I just thought about all of that. I was like, fuck. But the day after, you know, I, my secret's out. I secretly listened to t- sports radio because I really like to listen to the white guys on it. For some reason, I just am really entertained by it. And to listen to everybody, they just had a whole bunch of people call in that have been impacted by him. So he had, they had like really notorious, I don't know any of these people, but really well-known um coaches and fellow athletes and just uh commenters call in and they just had regular folks call in and the way that these men were impacted by him and encouraged by him and connected to him i was just like wow that's deep and um there was one guy it was personal called it was personal for them oh yeah it was it was incredible it was amazing and uh, there was one guy that called in and he was talking about how, because that was the the sports commenter said the same, the radio talk show host said the same thing, like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And the guy called in, he was like, yeah, I don't understand either. But, you know, I ha-, he said he was working out that day and he had a revelation that no matter who you are, you know, if you show up fully, you can affect somebody in a positive way and that he was personally triggered by this whole thing because he had just recently been diagnosed with a terminal cancer and he had a wife and kids and his mortality was like he knew he was he could uh, possibly die and leave behind him young kids and a wife and like Mm. that's what hurt him the most was that he was coming to terms with his own mortality, but that he had, would have to leave his family behind. But that he saw how much Kobe, even in his death, affected people and inspired people and touched people that he was just like, you know, this shit, it keeps going. And that kind of gave him some some solace, some solace or some comfort and like, OK, I can still we can still we can still make an impact. And, like, I was really fucked up about it. And then there was this beautiful illustration. or Yeah, it was like a graphic illustration. If you go on the Sable Collective, it's up there on the site. And it's his daughter looking up at him. And she has her hand on his shoulder. And he's looking down at her. And they're, like, making eye contact. And the Those artist videos created, of them. Ugh. The artist created these, like, glitter between them. You know, so it looked like energy coming down between them and shared between them and connected by them and it just kind of gave me some resolve that like you know we're we're energetic beings and Kobe had a lot of energy like I think a lot of us 
how we understand it is like the mamba mentality is like your drive, you keep going, you keep pushing. But that being was energetically big as fuck. He has so yeah. much to put out and share and give and take back. And like he worked with it in a way that was was atomic. You know, we just think about the atomic bomb is just big. Like the potential in us energetically is huge. Yeah. And I think that that's, it speaks even more to like, people think that if they work really hard and they push themselves and if they keep going and going, that somehow it's going to equate to that when he was working with energy. And like, if we're pushing ourselves and we're depleting the energy rather than like um, making it bigger and really manifesting things in a big way, I think the outcome is different. You know what I mean? Does that make sense at all? Yeah. I, like there's a thing like working yourself to death and, and you're not, you, you don't make impact. Well, he definitely, he definitely big. would preach about working yourself to death. He he would do that. I'll be honest. But, but I think he was working what he would, what in he a would, different way. Exactly. And what he would say would be like, he would get up there and say, you know, I loved basketball though. Yeah. So I didn't a have a problem right. getting up right. and right. Mm-hmm. and doing this and and like mm-hmm. making these sacrifices because I really mm-hmm. like to go to practice. Yeah. I really like to watch the yeah. film. And he was like, yeah. if you are doing something, I just watched this interview. He's like, well, if you are doing something where it requires you to feel like you are giving something away every day, then I hope you go and do something else. Yeah. See, that's what I was, think is really key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, that's and different. He, and what was interesting too, is that he was someone that I would worry about like, damn, when he retires, is he going to be okay? Cause this was like his life. And every NBA player person, you know, sports commentator person around him would be like, he was happier in retirement mm-hmm. and he was happier because he was, he said like, I left nothing. Like I left everything on the court, everything. Yeah. I gave it everything. I have zero regrets of yeah. what I did. And he was like, and I really found something that makes me just as happy in his art. He, what he was like, he was said, people made fun of him. Like, what are you going to do after this? He said, I'm going to be a storyteller. And they were just like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. But what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to be a story. I'm going to tell stories. And he said that this Dear Basketball short animation film that he did, it started off as a poem, as like a letter to basketball. And he said it started off as an angry poem, basically. And he was pissed off because he felt like it was holding him hostage because no one believed that he was going to have a life after it. And it was like an angry thing, like, where he was saying to it, like, I don't need you. Like, I have a life outside of you. All of this stuff that I, you know, attributed to basketball, I can take that and I can I can put that energy into something else. And I'm passionate about this and I can do this. And then it morphed into this other thing. And he got some people behind it and they were like, let's make this into an animated film. And he won a fucking Oscar. And what's crazy is he said that after him and his wife he said that when he won, he looked at his wife and was like, get the fuck out of here. And he goes up and gets it. And then he said on the way home after all the parties and this, he looked there and he goes, he took, he took a breath and that they both looked at each other and they just were like, well, you outdid yourself now. So now you got to get an Oscar for, you know, a 
feature film. Like now mm-hmm. what's the next thing? Like mm-hmm. and he and it would excite him. And like even the idea he was loving being a champion for women's sports. I don't I didn't realize how much of a champion he was for them. Like he was out here like, no, they need to get equal pay. He would be playing pickup games with the Yukon girls of the Yukon team. And his daughter Gianna wanted to be um, a husky so badly. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that she was as skilled as she was. Like I was looking at those videos and they were ripping me apart, just watching her play and watching the light within her and the potential and how he would be beaming, how she would be using his moves on him. And it must be like the f- craziest fucking feeling in the world to see this thing that you created doing something better than you at her age, you know? And like the fact that he was on his way to go mentor, to go teach. It's crazy how all of these NBA players mourn and they mourn for real. Like he told a story about how after the at the the NBA finals when the Cavaliers finally beat Golden State and they came back from like a deficit, like a I think it was 3 to 1 deficit and won the the finals. The Kyrie Irving in the middle of the celebration in the locker room FaceTimed him. Because Kyrie called him and was like, I'm having trouble. What do I do? Help me. And he and Kyrie always looked up to him. So he gave him some pointers. And he was like, you, 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 we did it. You won. We won, baby. And, and Kobe said he was like, bro, you don't want to call your mom, your, your, your girl, your, like, call, call your uncle, somebody. And he's like, no, I got to call you, man. Imagine mm-hmm. how important, you know, like what he meant. And he really mentored these guys, like really did. And that's something that Jordan didn't really do. He he would push them, but in a, like a demeaning way, where Kobe pushed them to to like, oh no, Kobe be their mean, greatest. He yeah, was, I heard but he was mean. I heard he was ruthless. He was mean, but 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 Jordan has made people not play anymore. Literally, like he's ruined. He's taken people so mentally out. Like Kobe said, "I'm gonna push you. I'm not here to be a great teammate." And every you know what you're getting into. But, like, he mentored these guys. And just to see them, like, I watched every tribute just to see these guys out here trying to play through this. And because they know that's what he would have wanted them to do. It's just like, wow. It, and, and just like you said, like, in death, look at how he's still touching us. Look at how the girl dad, that girl dad, did you watch that video? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just that alone, how all these dads are putting out these pictures and being proud of being girl dads and this and that. Like, that shit is powerful. It really is. And you know, the people... He was a powerful. Bill. He was powerful. He was really powerful. He was. He was. He was. It's just really and, inspiring. Um, yeah, it's been... It's been really interesting to see... These men cry. Yeah. And um, I saw Shaq cry and just weep. Like these men are weeping on on the calling in and like consoling each other. Yeah. And um, my dad called in the sports radio. Yeah. They're just like they're really upset and they're really hurt. And, um, you know, especially for these black men. But yeah, even for the women, like um, just people, we had we had a yeah we had an empowerment um, group at Sable where basically it was just like group 
therapy people could come in and talk and so that's how it started with people like yo this kobe thing fucked me up and um just people trying to grapple with grieving and like how how to it was really interesting actually because a lot of the women were saying you know they had lost back they had back to back deaths in their lives and like their mom would die, their uncle would die, and then their grandmother would die. Mm. That was, like, a mm. lot of the uh, patterns. And, like, the grandmother being the person that raised them, who they were closest with, it would wreck them. And it would happen at a time in their life where they really were supposed to be on a high. You know, they had just got a new job, or they just they were in the middle of some very intense situations of mothering and, and trying to get their master's, and then this critical person would die. And a lot of them were expressing how they were frustrated with themselves because they couldn't push through. They mm. couldn't keep going. They couldn't stay focused. They were like, you know, and and correlating that with strength and being like, I just, I'm not strong. I feel really weak. I really feel really scattered. I really feel really fucked up about it. And I just, I can't be strong and people can't rely on me anymore. And there was like shame attached to it. So it was really complicated this, for me at least, and seeing everything is like this, this idea to keep going and keep moving when people are are hurting and like how we handle grief as a society and and I don't know it's just been really interesting and, and his death has really opened a lot of people up for this conversation of like you know mm. how do we make sense of yeah of death in our in our lives how do we make sense of people that and even more complicated is he, he wasn't perfect he had a complicated past. His the incident ha happening with the um, the rape when he was a younger man is like had that Alleged. shit happen right now. Alleged. Had that shit happen right now, he, we would not have the same. Kobe would be canceled. We would he'd be canceled, and yeah, so that it's so complicated. It's well, it's really interesting. That's another thing that's like I couldn't imagine having that kind of pressure because he always has maintained his innocence regardless of what, you know, who knows. Um, but having that kind of pressure and he said that there was a point where his game after everything happened, he had his press conference about it. And it was a game after that where he went out in the first half and was just trash. He was terrible. And he said in the locker room, he looked at himself and he was like, listen you don't even know if you're going to be a free man in six months. You might lose your family. You might lose everything, your money, everything. And he was like, but the one thing I'm not going to lose is myself and basketball. This is the one thing that I can control. And he said that he just honed in to some of that energy that you're talking about. And he went out and like fucking killed the game. And that was when people put it, put in, they identified what his mentality was and put a name to it, to this Mamba mentality. But I think that part of did grieving and... The, e did you read the whole the whole case? I re That's also, I didn't want to say it so early, but that's what I remember. I remember there was all that controversy around him. Yeah, there was controversy. I mean, I don't want to really discuss the case right now. I don't think it's appropriate, but I'll say well, that like... Yes. 
I just don't. Sense, but. but I think that um, the the silver lining, like him talking about, like you have to find the silver lining, like even him in that moment, in a moment of definite grief and despair, and I'm sure fear. Like he found that something where he was like, okay, this is the one thing I can hold on to. And I think that that's something that when we deal with loss, we have to try to do. I think it's probably really hard. It is really hard. I mean, we've all dealt with loss in our own ways. Um, But I, I, listen. It's complicated. It's really complicated, but I think that- Black men grieving the way that they did and openly. Like, I was really impressed with Shaq. And he said, like, I'm not going to be all right for a while. And, like, watching these men hold each other up. And, like, him even say, I don't do a good job at reaching out to people. I don't do, like, people all taking lessons from it. Like, wow. It was like, felt like a wake-up call. Like, what can I do differently to be sure that I cherish the moments that I'm here? You know? And that's really what I was thinking about too. Like, wow, this shit really, like he was somebody to me that was supposed to pass away old in his bed. And definitely his daughter, definitely like there's a family now. They lost their mother, their father, their sister, and there's two kids left. How do you move on? You know, the girl, I think the girl is 13 years old and her older brother is 29. How do you move on? Like, uh, the, I think that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that this shit really is precious and really, it's so cliche, but anything can really happen. And it, to me, I was thinking to myself, like, if you went tomorrow, would you have lived the life that you wanted to live? Would you and have? I, I don't think so. Not completely. And I think that might have been why I was so upset by it. And and now I'm I'm doing better because I force myself to like watch these videos of him and really like I don't know. It's comforting to see how many people he touched, how many people he's still touching, and the legacy that he's left. Like he lived for a short period of time. Forty one is so young, but he's touched so many people. All of them. All of these people. They were coaches on there with them and kids. All the kids were talking about what great what great teammates their teammates were. You know, it's just, I don't know. I really, I try to be faithful in my own way. I know I'm not religious, but this one really like, I couldn't quite understand it. Couldn't quite make sense of it. And I, I don't know if I still have, but I feel like, I'm trying to find the silver lining and like what it's teaching everyone and the shock waves and then the waves that came after, the healing waves, the vibes that came after. Like this place, this world is so divided. But in that moment, it was about these people and these lives and living life and living it to your full potential. And you could feel it. Yeah. I don't know. May God rest his soul. I want to read his book, the Mamba Mentality book. 
you gonna disagree with all of it. You gonna be like, ah, uh-uh, you need rest. You need yeah. rest. I don't. <laughs> I, I think that there's something missing when it comes to that. You know that people that show up. But I think you have with it. I think you're passion, you're hitting there's it something behind it. Yeah, there's yeah. something behind it. It's not this practice of pushing yourself. Like those people that. I think it's what you said. It's energy. It's love. It's like true belief in what you're doing. I mean, yeah, we, I don't know. I don't know. I, we also don't know. We also just don't know. We don't know what the intricacies of behind these, behind his life either. We just don't know. But um, he was powerful. There's no doubt about it. He was powerful. Um, his wife is powerful. She's holding Yo, a shout lot out right to now. her. I can't even believe she even issued a statement. Yeah, she's she's also a power like they're 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 um, she still has the mother. They're purposeful. Yeah, there's and his daughter, like both of them. Just seeing that picture between them. They're all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, oh wow, this is um it's it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. His the death is extraordinary. It's just like, yeah, just hits in a different way i don't know what that way is but um it definitely like hits something Um, his wife she just changed somebody's life like literally on her instagram there's this some artist made a picture of her daughter um and she's wearing her dad's championship jacket with a basketball in her arms you know and it's purple and gold like the lakers color and she was, she, I remember she wrote like, you know, seeing my baby girl smile happy again with the basketball under her arm wrapped in purple and gold love just warmed my heart. Thank you for this. And originally she wrote, can somebody tag the artist so I can get in touch? Everybody tagged the artist. And now, you know, she's already <laughs> taken, her, disabled her comments because now she found the artist. She gave the artist credit. The artist had like 4,000 followers and now she has like 100,000 like that's just gonna change recently? her whole life. Yeah, she just, just did it two days ago. That's gonna change yeah. our artist's whole life, and she knows exactly what she did. Like, still she somehow you giving. Could see that she loved her family so because it was her her account was private, and I don't know if it was yeah private. I, it was private. It was private beforehand. No, it was private mm-hmm. after. It wasn't private when it happened. She made it private. Oh, yeah, and the poor woman saying. found out on TMZ. Oh Lord, it's just a sin. But it's like, and he talked about her, and like I know that, like he said, you know, his full time job is you know being a basketball player and yada yada yada. He was like, but my wife's full time job is being a mom, and like she brings the same mamba mentality to our household and to our kids and to me that I bring to basketball, and I couldn't do it. Like he was just. And I know that he's, he was, he's young, he's made mistakes, but I just, that resonated with me. That was like, wow. And he, he really respected it. And it was after he retired that he really respected her. And really, it's so sad because he was just getting a chance to be like that dad. He had sacrificed so much time for his dream. Nine months out of the year, you're gone. And he took helicopters so he could pick his girls up from school to beat L.A. traffic so he can get to and from quicker so he wouldn't miss out on time. There's an interview of him talking about it. And to think that it was 30 feet difference between him being here and him being not here. They missed clearing that hill by 30 feet. 
That's nothing. I mean, I'm just grateful. I'm just really grateful. And I just really want to, like we just talked about our intentions. We just talked about the new year. I just really want to apply myself. And I really am excited to figure out what I love and care about that much that I'm willing to just channel in on it and go that hard for it. Cause I I promise you I will. Yeah, you 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 in alignment with the Mamba mentality. <laughs> I'm in alignment with the Mamba. That was what you know. I can't. You got to realize your I, being is in alignment with that. That's and that's, it just hit me. I came. I was raised by two athletes, so that makes complete yeah. sense. That's how Ready I was raised. Go team, go <laughs> team, Judy and Jay. But if you were to go would tomorrow, would you feel at peace? Would you would you feel proud? Same question yeah, you asked me. For sure. I'd I'd think I'd yeah. I think that I do the best that I can do every single day. And I think that um yeah. I don't have that I don't have many regrets. I mean Yeah, man. This is, yeah. We die. We die. Like we. That's what we have. That's hard. But we, we, we die. And I, 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 I don't know what happens when we die. But like I am. Um, I don't think that I'm. Yo, I fucking hate planes. That's just one thing. When I think about death planes mm. being high that just really rattles me in a in a in a eerie eerie way planes and boats yeah. i don't like either of them but because it's such a terrifying way to go but um i think and again just with that picture like i think you know kobe's energy and and his daughter's energy and whatever reason this i don't even know if there was a reason just the shit happened i think that it is um continuous that's rude no that's my stupid computer i'm clicking back on the drive that wasn't i was completely listening to you it went dead and i just Mm -hmm. plugged it back in shanti it's well some yeah some people yeah it is continuous you're right it is. If that couldn't be more evident now, I think. So, I don't know. May God rest these people's souls. May we all walk away taking away something from it. Because like you said, like, I don't, I don't know why. I, I try to make sense of why just because that's the type of personality that I have where I want it to make sense. Um, but at least these people are... I do believe that Gigi is with her dad and the Antebellis are together. You know, death only hurts those left behind. Somebody told me that once and it really resonated with me where they were like, you're crying for yourself. You're not crying for that person. That person is fine, but you're going to miss them, but they're okay. And that brought me some peace. But um, there's a quote from the Work Bay pod a group 
They were guests on here before. You know them. Shout out to Nana and Obit. Oh, excuse me, Obi. Um, but uh, I really like this Kobe Bryant quote, and it said, you are responsible for how people remember you or don't. So don't take it lightly. If you do it, do it right. Your game will live in others. You'll be imitated and emulated by those you've played with, those you've played against, and those who never saw you play at all. So leave everything on the court. Leave the game better than you found it. And when it comes time for you to leave, leave a legend. Mamba out. So that's this week's episode. Yeah, I hope we all are remain grateful. And I hope we all just we're, show up be our best selves. That seems to be the theme of every Around the Way Girl podcast is show up fully, wholly, and completely. Yeah. Ashe. At whatever energetic capacity you have. Yeah. (laughs) If it were up to me, it'd be 110 fucking percent energy capacity. No. No. Uh, would you read the Mama Mentality book with me if I bought it for you? Yeah, I think I'm going to try to get it for Sable. That's one thing that I did see at New York now was a whole bunch of publishers that I was like, oh, now I can get books. And Oh, that's great. I saw it there. So, Oh, my God. Speaking of books, what's the book? The Pleasure. What is it? Girl, have you been reading what? it? I'm, yes. What is it called? I can't. I don't Pleasure have it in front activism. of me. Pleasure activism. There's a lot of people interested in doing this book club. It's a I really think great that you need book. to figure that out. It's it's <laughs> a really great book because it goes chapter. It the chapters aren't continuous, so each chapter has a. Di- it's just like That's different excerpts and interviews and stories from different folks and their different um, interpretations and experiences with pleasure in their lives and how it connects to their um, their liberation, whether personally or socially so we don't necessarily like it can just go all over the place really like it can go it doesn't have to go chapter by chapter necessarily um but i think we should i don't know we should just share whichever um whichever we can go chapter by chapter or i'm interested in what 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 resonated with people, what chapters resonate with people. Cause some of them don't with me, but, um, hmm. well, we have to figure that out. Yeah. I think we should definitely explore that cause people are interested. Um, so maybe we, yeah, I'm thinking chapter by chapter is a good thing. Or the chat, the, the, the one chapter a week cause people got busy lives. So we do this every week. So I don't know. We'll figure Take it out. Seventy-two but weeks. How? Wait. How? Um. How long are the chat? We'll figure it out. Anyway, we'll figure it out. We're gonna have this little book club. So go out and buy Pleasure Activism. Um. Don't get it off of Amazon because they don't pay any taxes. And make sure you call us <laughs> at two. <laughs> for real, I'm anti Amazon oh right now. God. Make sure they call you call us at 
215-948-2780. Give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what if you have you know what? Somebody did have a question. We'll do it next week. She wrote on IG. Just child, a that, question. That was dramatic. It was it was dramatic. I was like, child, it was about whether or not somebody should stay with they child with the they husband. And I was like, sis, not this week you is not know. appropriate. But um we can definitely talk about it on um fucking Valentine's Day next week. Just can't wait for that episode. Fuck that Valentine's. Whatever, you have a man. I gotta go. Um, you keep trying to this like anti Valentine's Day, like because it's cool to be anti Valentine's Day, but like you have a whole boyfriend. What's that got to do with anything? Every motherfucker. Well, you day can't be in the. Day. It's like it's like the every time of, day. No, it's I'm like the equivalent of when skinny girls start dancing to watch like, out to the sure big girl. What you said? No, you're one of the. It's the equivalent of when skinny girls start like getting hyped to watch out for the big girl. It's like this is not for you. Let us have this. You're trying to take the singles, like, Galentine's Day thing, and you just can't. You can't. You have a man. I don't even want to invite you to the Galentine's Day dinner. You saw me try to <laughs> try to get you out. I was like, Mm-mm. she got me and she can't go. I can go anyway. Are you serious? Look at you. Look. <laughs> Are you, you really shit. can't go? I may not. I'm a mom. Anyway, I'll talk to you about it later, but I have to figure that out. Girl. Whatever. Love is love, you know. Anyway, I mean, you guys, you can have the that makes me sad. Love is love. We'll talk about um, our Valentine's Day dinner next week. Love is love, but that's whack. You need to come figure that out. Yes, all right. Well, you know, subscribe, leave us a comment or two. Definitely leave us a comment on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we will be back next week. Okay? Shanti? We are going to hang up now. We are out. We out. Bye. Follow your passion first. Um, When I retired from the game, I sat there asking kind of all the wrong questions. What's the biggest industry I could get into? It's all the wrong stuff. And you got to sit there and ask yourself, okay, what am I truly passionate about? What do I enjoy doing? And when you feel that way, honestly, I mean, you feel like you have never worked a day in your life. It's the most fun thing in the world. You get up in the morning excited about what you're doing. And you got to be really honest with yourself about it. If you wake up in the morning and you're dreading going to work, dude, do something else. Do something else. And those are hard decisions to make. But when you make those decisions, it's a very liberating experience. And you find out that the rewards will come. I think the best way to prove your your value is to work, is to learn, is to absorb, uh, to be a sponge. You always want to outwork your potential. As hard as you believe you can work, you can work harder than that. And that's what I tried to do when I first came in the league. But, you know, basketball is such a direct competition sport. And me coming in at 17, I hated when, like, my teammates would say, you know, I get hit with an elbow, right? Shaq would hit me with an elbow in practice. And, like, you know, <laughs> you know, Nick Van Exel would come up and say, are you okay? I'm like, what? <laughs> Mao, are you okay? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? You know, so, like, I always had that extra chip on my shoulder. So, like, every day in practice for me was really trying to annihilate everybody that was that I was playing against 
because I wanted to prove you don't need to babysit me. Like, I, I'm fine, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so it's always um, that competitive nature, the work ethic, and curiosity, because I asked a lot of questions. When playing with Byron Scott, I asked him a lot of questions. Eddie Jones, who was great at chasing guards off the screens, and I didn't understand how to do that. I would sit with him before practice, after practice. Magic, all the Laker greats, I would always sit down and just ask him questions about certain games that I studied growing up. What actually happened there? What did you feel there? Why? Well, I, I think it's just, you know, it's just a matter of what's important to you. What's important to you? For, for whatever reason, you know, I, I felt like um, I didn't feel good about myself if I wasn't doing everything I could to be the best version of myself. If I felt like I left anything on the table, it would eat away at me. I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror. And so the reason why I can retire now and be completely comfortable about it because I know that I've done everything I could to be the best basketball player I could be. This has been absolutely beautiful, you guys. I can't believe it's come to an end. Um, you guys will always be in my heart. And uh, what can I say? Mamba out. You have just heard an Around Away Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around Away Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good.